Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas. I hope everyone is doing well. And um, I got a question asked of me yesterday, and that was whether or not my show is just based around only things that are happening in Las Vegas. Absolutely not. I talk about everything, different parts of the world, things that I'm informed about, doesn't matter. As long as it's pertaining to relationships and dating, I'm going to discuss it and talk about it. Good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. So I hope that answers your question. I'm going to talk about something today that comes up rather frequently with men. Damaged women. Yes, we're going there. Now, I've experienced this and so have a lot of other men and they write in about this all the time. Damaged women, what is a damaged woman? Usually, it's a woman that's gone through traumatic events or a traumatic event that has set her back emotionally and she cannot let go of that event. Now, it's easier said than done, of course, but you have some people that don't even try to put forth the first effort to better their lives for themselves. They may have an aversion towards going to counseling. They may have an aversion towards anything that could help them because they've been so used to being helpless that when someone is being helpful, they feel as though that's an infringement or an encroachment on their own personal tragedy. Yes, there are some people that actually take that tragedy they have, make it their own, and they want to be the only victim in the world that has that issue. These people sometimes don't want to go to support groups. They don't want to talk to anyone else that has experienced the same things they've experienced because they feel as though I find comfort in my own discomfort. They're embarrassed in some cases. They still want to act as if they're in charge of their lives or control of it. And sadly, a lot of them are misguided and they think that they have to keep things in silence and within themselves in order to resolve them. They think they're the worst person in the world because of what happened to them. But a lot of times people don't really look at some of the factors that was involved. Yes, true enough, some of it is on your shoulder. But there's a lot of things that aren't, and that should have been worse. Uh, not uh, really evident that you haven't really looked at or examined. You see, a lot of people, a lot of women especially, allow some men to get away with things and therefore they're going to punish every man that comes after that man based on that premise. I was hurt by him, so I'm going to hurt every other man that comes my way. And they realize as they get older, and get set in their ways. They have validation for those sentiments. And the reason why they have those validations when it comes to those sentiments is because of one fundamental thing. They didn't want to grow. They didn't want to progress. They liked staying where they were. And as they saw it, I didn't miss out on anything because it was all gonna wind up being nothing anyway. They've ridden themselves off, folks. 
emotionally and every other way. And it's very difficult to deal with these kind of folks. Friends and I used to call women like that torpedoes. They're on a suicide mission. They were just going in one direction. They were going to sink that battleship of happiness for anyone else. Now, some of you ladies encounter these women as the negative Nancy. That woman is going to always be pessimistic. She's never going to say anything positive or something that's uh, progressive on your behalf. When things happen good for you, they have to pull a negative thought out of it. Or they have to put out some kind of consideration that's going to make you second guess. Now, there are some characteristics that we have to look at with these kind of people. The one thing that you will find with them, right off the bat, you're going to find that these people are very negative. They're going to have a very, very negative outlook on life, on themselves, and everything else associated with their future. And they want to spread that negativity onto you. And once they have that pessimism coming from your lips, they feel as though they have accomplished their goal. These are people that you will find that the only way you could have a conversation with them or communicate with them is on their negative level. It has to be something you're complaining about in order to really be able to have a dialogue with them. Something has not to be right. Something has to be wrong. There's got to be some reason that they feel as though you are having a conversation with them or warrant even to talk to them. Self-doubt. You name it, but it has to be negative. Now, these people didn't get like this overnight. Many times it takes years for a person to get like this. And that's because they don't want to work on themselves. The world is the problem. I'm fine. That's their perception of life. And they go through life and they say, well, you know, the laws need to change in order to accommodate me. The standards need to change when it comes to dating to accommodate me. They don't feel as though they have to do anything. They feel as though every environment should be brought down to their level. Pretty much like a lot of Gen X uh, parents did with their kids. Bobby, don't you worry about coming in ninth place. You're number one in my eye. Let me go down there and talk to that coach. See if we can get you more playing time. How dare they? They lower the bar for everyone, but mainly themselves. But everybody else manages to go over that bar once they lower it. But these other people are not going to be the one to do it. It's always going to be the entitled one, the one that feels sorry about themselves. The other aspect of this, believe it or not, you're going to have these people that are going to be actually dabbling with depression. They're going to be on the borderline of it. But these are people that don't want any help. So, you may see them tucked away in their house for a few days, 
not bathing, not eating properly, if at all. And they go through these stints of depression. And God help you if you get in a relationship with one of them. It's a roller coaster ride. Now some take medication and realize that they have an issue and they work on it. Can't take anything away from them because they're doing the right thing for themselves. Not for society, but for themselves first. But you have others. They like stewing in it. And they don't realize that depression is nothing but just a drain. Point it downward. Now also with this, they are very negative when it comes down to dating. They expect failure. They seek it. It's a part of them. And the reason why they do this is because they're comfortable with it. Even though they may complain about it, they're actually comfortable with it. They're comfortable with going out with a guy and then saying the relationship would never worked out. Because that means they have to do nothing in order to address the issue they're dealing with. It's like someone that's wearing no deodorant. And it's a hot day and they're smelling that body odor. The body odor is fine to them, but to everyone else, they're like, damn, you need to go wash your ass. But they don't look at it that way. They want things brought down to their level. And if you were thinking about dating one of these folks, you're going to have to deal with a couple of things here. You're going to have to deal with the fact that these individuals expect you to come down to their level because it will never rise to yours. And no matter how much effort you put into a person like this, they're going to drag you down for a reason. Because that's their comfort zone. That's their oxygen. Now, it's not uncommon for these people to spring back. And when I say this, in other words, to counter that draw that they go down into is a euphoria that they may get where they're cutting everybody else down because now they are the best at everything. That narcissism comes up and before you know it, there they are again, cutting people down until they go back into that draw of depression. Because see, they don't quite understand. They think that they have to tear someone down in order to build themselves up. And they go through the seesaw and you'll find it very difficult to date people like these on a consistent basis. Some people write in and talk about how they have to take that person in doses. They can't deal with them on a regular consistent basis. They cannot cohabitate with them. They cannot go on a trip with them anywhere. And so what these people do that try to cope with them is they limit their exposure to them. So if they go to a date, they try to do something that has a third-party intervention, maybe a concert, a movie, something where they don't have to really communicate, where there's a distraction that takes up the space that they could actually be working together and talking about things. It's a deliberate act. Now, there's another aspect of this that we have to look at as well. 
we have to think about those losing self-control because this happens as well. Well, the way they feel as though they're losing self-control is they're looking back at past situations where they were taken advantage of as they see it from their perspective. And therefore, they think that everyone else is out to get them. It's a sense of paranoia. And therefore, everyone that comes down their path, they look at them as an adversary. And in many cases, it will be very difficult for you to ever try to reposition yourself as someone that's an ally, unless you go negative with them. Now, they don't take account of how this will impact your self-esteem, your self-perception, because it's all about them. They're taking up all the oxygen in the room, so they can care less about how you feel. And in fact, they will use that as leverage in order to step on you. But some of you allow this to happen. And of course, we love to label people as being toxic, that kind of thing, because it's popular now and it's trendy. But the truth of the matter is, you're just as toxic as the person you're calling toxic because you're with them. You're not void of contamination. So, what it comes down to, in essence, and people don't like really discussing things like this because what they want is they want this romantic interlude that's just going to take off and it's going to work itself out and everything's going to be fine and you're going to have the bells ringing and everything is going to go just as you planned it. And you're thinking, well, so-and-so had a nice relationship and they worked out very well. She met this guy on Match.com. Why can't I? Circumstances may have permitted her to do that. Circumstances for you may not. It depends on who's in the dating pool at that particular time. It has very little to do with your luck. It has more to do with who's available. She might have gotten someone that's emotionally available. You may not. You may get someone who's emotionally unavailable. So you have to be flexible enough and intuitive enough to understand that that doesn't seal your fate because you got with someone that may have been less desirable for you. But some people like to live and die on that hill, and you don't have to. It's a sad commentary sometimes because people will go and put themselves in situations they don't have to. Some of you ladies have tried to save men with this kind of disposition. And the only thing it did was brought you down. Some of you ladies have gone in relationships with this disposition. And this man ghosted you and you don't know why. You may need to check this. Because this is something that most people won't tell you about. They may hint around it, but if they see it and see how sensitive you are about it, they know that's not one battle that they're willing to fight. They will just go and throw up the red flag or the white flag, or the blue flag, or an American flag, whichever one they want to put up. <laughs> but seriously, that's what's happening there. Now, another thing too, they become very critical of others. This is one of the tools they will use in order to make you feel like they do. 
Because see, what they have to do is to foster a sense of self-doubt, not only in you, but they already have one in themselves. See, these people are different than the narcissist who's trying to break you down. Because the narcissist, they're constantly a narcissist. They don't take the break of going into that draw. They don't have to. Because there's always someone else to prop them up when they're feeling down. But these individuals that are damaged, they don't have that luxury because nobody wants to be around them. So therefore, they have to bring people down to their level. They don't have to rise to the occasion. So they'll be hypercritical in many cases. Don't be surprised if they believe in conspiracies. And the reason why they do this, this is a way of justifying anything that they can't get. If they're rejected, if something that they wanted that they didn't get, they try to go and package it as a conspiracy against them individually, when it's actually not. Because in their world, they believe that everything they want, they should get. And if they don't get it, there's a problem with society for them not having it. There's not a problem with, <coughs> excuse me, with them. That's the way they look at it. Now, another thing you will notice with these folks, as I told you before, they're going to be very averse towards getting any kind of help. And they may always tell themselves that I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I'm going to be down to earth with you. I'm going to tell you the honest to God truth. But when they're doing this, they're talking about you. This is the precursor for them to tear you down. To make you feel as they do. Because that's where they want you. So they're going to come across like they're being constructive. With their criticism. But they're not. In other words, they could tell you something if they were going to offer constructive criticism. Let's try this. This may work better for you. And here is why. The one thing you have to remember with constructive criticism, there's always an explanation and reasoning to why. With negative criticism, they don't give you that. Because they want to control the way you feel. And there's some people that deliberately get into relationships just for that purpose manipulate a person's feelings because to them they look at it from the standpoint somebody manipulated mine and controlled me now I could do the same to somebody else I could return the favor they become very judgmental and they will even go so far as to use your company with them or your opportunity to be around them as leverage to try to get what they want. Well, if you're going to be around me, you have to. No, you don't, folks. You don't have to be around that person and you don't have to do a damn thing that they're asking. If they have a problem where they're going negative like that, leave them that way. It would benefit you greatly. Let someone else do the heavy lifting. It's not your job. Because you're going to get burned out on this, especially those of you who haven't found anybody yet out there dating. 
you're going to get tired of the heavy lifting. They're tired of giving them compliments because they've made some poor life choices. And those life choices that they've made has set them back immensely. When I go on Bumble, when I go on um, Clover and the rest of these dating sites, and some of the situations these women have put themselves into is no way in the hell I would deal with it. And of course, whenever it's something that you have a standard for, what's the first thing they say? You think you're better than me. You're a snob. You're turning your nose up to me. No, I'm looking at the decisions you've made. And when you start looking at these consecutive failures in your life, you get a pretty good picture of what you're dealing with. Women don't tolerate this at all with men, for the most part. But yet, a lot of women expect men to tolerate it. They expect men to put up with it. And many times, it's like someone is driving drunk in their lives. They go from one catastrophe to the next, to the next, to the next. And you see how it could be avoided if they would just sit down and take some time out to think, why did I do this? What was the purpose? What was the benefit? What was the cost? How far did it set me back? But you have a lot of people that don't come out of the stupor until they're in their 60s and 70s sometimes. There's a lady that's 69 years old that contacted me and she was talking about her life's journey. Now, I met her online on a dating app. And I just let her continue to just write. And I mean, she had pages of messages about the stuff she had gone through. And I told her, I said, you know, the majority of this was self-induced. What do you mean? Oh boy, she got her fangs out and got on her hind legs and was ready to tear into me. Well, you've chosen all these bad boyfriends. You went to jail for carrying this guy's gun. A whole bunch of stuff that she had done voluntarily for these men. But she blamed it on the men. I said, no, the men weren't the problem. It was your decision. You were the problem with the choices you made in these men. They hate hearing that because that means they have to be responsible. And they find joy out of not being responsible, but blaming someone else. And the rationale for this is, it gives them the motivation to think that there's something wrong with the world, nothing's wrong with me. And as long as they have this mindset, that's the way they feel as though they can function in society. More in a moment. Now, a lot of you are saying, well, why is it that you're talking about damaged women? How about the damaged men? You already know, ladies, what a damaged man is about. He's going to be the angry guy, the one that you try to avoid. 
the one that's hyper-masculine, trying to really assert himself and control you. You already know him. Or have friends, relatives that have dated or even married to guys like that. But see, what I'm pointing out is something that many of you ladies don't see in yourselves, that we see as men, but we're silent on with you. We don't say anything to you about these things. We just ghost you and you call us a jerk. And therefore, you put the next guy through hell. This is the reason why we talk about this. Now, there's another factor that we need to really consider here. That some people don't really consider or think about as much. And that is... When that person has a come to Jesus moment, and many of them do, that's when they realize their status, where they are, many times alone, many times void of friends. And at first it lasts okay in the beginning because I don't need them, that kind of thing. But then what starts to happen, they start to notice even at work that people are not hanging around them. And they're isolated. And when they try to go and try to attach themselves to other people, they don't want to be bothered. They don't want to deal with it. <laughs> and then after a while, they get tired of classifying everybody as being a bad guy. And they want a victory of some sort. So they want to find someone that they can have an alliance with. And this is when they have to really dig to the bottom to find that person. And that person that they'll probably find that have those feelings that they have has those feelings that they have. They may look at it from the standpoint, damn, I thought I was bad. This person's got it worse than me. And what that does, it gives them positive reinforcement from a negative view. They found someone worse off than they are emotionally. And that's a sense of pride for them. Because throughout this alienation, they were feeling like the worst person. But it makes them feel better when someone feels worse off than they do. It's really sad that people are in this condition and they position themselves to go out to find dates. And a lot of times they're actually looking for someone that's going to take them out of that. Some sort of Messiah. Mm -mm. You got to do the work yourself. Some of you have actually skated on the backs of others for that specific purpose. And some of those friends have realized now with the change they made and not having you around, things are a little bit more positive for them. They don't feel burdened to be with you. They don't feel as though they have to set themselves up just to have a conversation with you, talking about, oh, I gotta hold my breath for the next five minutes talking to this person. All of this could be avoided by you being honest with yourself and getting some help. That's all it takes. People have already told you the problems with you. 
You don't want to hear it. You don't want to believe it. You're thinking it's their opinion. But when it's a consensus, and when the people who really loved you and tried to help you, when they've thrown up their hands, maybe you should give that a second look. Because, see, with alienation, what happens a lot of times, we become very desensitized. And so even the people that were closest to us, we treat them like crap. And this is something that's very difficult to actually maneuver through. It's not something that's easy. Because, see, that negative attitude, that's been your companion and your friend for a very long time. And some of you will say goodbye to your family members and friends that you've known longer than that negative disposition you have. You gotta let it go. Depression is just like a drug addiction. It uses you and makes you use other people. At some point, you got to bring yourself out of that spiral downward if you want to save yourself. And it's very easy to do. Because the first step is to talk to someone, to get those feelings out. And not just to sit there and stew in that negative mindset, thinking that things are going to get better on a negative way, and it's not. But see, there's another problem, too. There are other people that are very euphoric, and they are artificially happy. You want more of a balance. You don't want to be on that extreme. And then you have the people that have the bipolar thing. They go up, they go down. So it varies. I'm no doctor. I'm just telling you what I've observed dating and in relationships. It's no fun being in those type of turbulent situations. Because being in a relationship in itself has a lot of things you have to have to manage in the challenges and things that you will face and encounter. There's a lot of them. If you're in an interracial relationship, you know already you got to deal with the social consequences of it. Those people that don't think you should be together. If you're with someone fat, you got to deal with that situation. Fat shaming. If you're dealing with someone that's of the same gender as you, you got to deal with that. The phobias. So there's always something that somebody, no matter what type of couple you are, they're going to have an opinion on it. But what you have to remember is to let that just die as their opinion. Just like you have to do in relationships when a person is going negative on you and they're bringing your self-esteem down. You got to let that die as their opinion. Because, see, if you don't and you take it to heart with you, and then you go and you start beating yourself up the shortcomings that this person has given you or told you about, 
unless someone else has told you about this. You may want to just evaluate it yourself and see, and if it's not valid, if they said something that doesn't pertain to you, don't wear it. A person that put their hands on you at any point in life will never love you. Because if they did, they would have never had that thought come in their head. No matter how much they say they're sorry, no matter how much they say they love you and your kids. They did something to you that they would have done to an adversary, someone they hated. I tell ladies all the time, if you hit you once, leave. And I tell fellas the same thing, if she hits you once, scratches you once, leave. Forget all of the cliches. They say, oh, well, you know, love and hate. There's a thin line between it. Take that thin line and ram it up your ass. I should never get to that point. You should be with someone you love. And with that, if you have disagreements, you work it out with someone you love. You don't become a damn animal in the process. Some people have grown up in dysfunctional situations where the only thing they know is violence. I dated a lady one time and she went over to her boyfriend's house. Boyfriend was asking his mother for some money. Mama said, no, I already gave you $100 last weekend. He said, you sure about that, Mom? She said, yeah. He was there on the porch shucking peas. He goes in the house and gets the double barrel shotgun and shoots his mother in the chest. Takes the purse, takes the money. When that young lady told me that, I asked her, how did it impact you? How did you feel? She said, I went from love to fear. She said it stayed at fear. It never came back to love. And she was talking about when they had sex. The only thing she felt was he's violent like that. And when he got locked up, he cried like a baby. Wanting his mama. His mama had to get her breast taken off. She survived. She said that she had to leave that town because she didn't want to have to deal with him if he happened to get out. But he got 15 years for it. I could tell she was still traumatized by that. Any loud noises? I'll never forget this guy pulled up beside us on the motorcycle. She's like, can we get away from him, please? Wanted me to run the red light. I'm like, I can't run the red light. But I understood where she was coming from. She was still going through therapy. 
So when you're dealing with people that have been exposed to traumatic situations, sometimes it's going to be very difficult. A lot of marriages break up after one of the parties has been traumatized. I was reading about a situation where there was a plane crash back in the 70s. And the wife survived. Other people died on, on the flight. And when she got home to her husband, she loved her husband, loved her kids. But she was so afraid and she was riddled with a lot of survivor's guilt. And the marriage couldn't go forward. And she had to wind up divorcing him. had a traumatic impact on it. Now, you don't get over a lot of things. And it's insensitive when people say, oh, just get over it. Well, if they never walked in your shoes, they don't know what size they are. But what I am telling you, there are some things that you can let go of that, does, that really doesn't hurt so badly. And one of them is the learning experience from someone else that you've been in a relationship with. not have gotten your way of the person you wanted and you were still trying to get that person to commit still trying to get that person to be with you honey he doesn't want to be with you be thankful he doesn't that leads you to better pastures where you could be with someone else that cares about you and not sit there in the doldrums going down that spiral because you can't get the one you want. Sometimes you ladies will wind up with the man you need and not the one you want. You remember I talked about how women want an alpha male and they wind up with a delta? The delta is the one they need because he's stable. The alpha is the one that she doesn't need but aspires to because he's volatile. That's the distinction. You see, the reason why the alpha male thing is so popular is because it's a marketing tool. It gets your attention. It makes you feel special. You're the Rolls Royce of men, supposedly. But what happens when everybody classifies themselves as alpha male? Every woman classifies herself as a queen. You see how it's devalued so quickly? I know a lady that was on WIC, AFDC, food stamps, and she called herself a queen. While across town, right there in LA, there was another lady that lived in the Hollywood Hills made six figures a year and called herself a queen. Self-appropriated title. That's all it is. That's all this alpha male bullshit is and everything else. Self-appropriated titles. Yes, they have some coincidental characteristics that go along with the behavior of people, but one thing you have to realize too, It's just like the horoscope, pseudoscience. What do a lot of people do with the horoscope? They'll read it, and what are they going to try to do? 
comport their day to that horoscope for that day. Oh, you're supposed to walk up across some money today. You get your ass up out of bed and you walking down the street looking for the money on the street. Not realizing that somebody at home on their computer wrote that because they're contracted out with a publishing company. And they come up with that shit out of their heads. Just like fortune cookies. So what it comes down to, you have to know you. You can't lose that person. And you're going to have to always remember and never forget the person you were before you got into the relationship with that traumatic situation. That's the person you're trying to get back to. And you want to take the lessons and the wisdom from it and leave the negative emotional sentiments that make you feel bad that put you in that depressive state. You got to learn how to separate those. Because if you don't, you'll take the whole thing in and you'll just go back into another relationship with that same old sad-ass swan song. This is to help you filter out some of the negative things in your life. It will help you filter those things out. So when I was married, it was uncomfortably obvious that my mom preferred my then husband at the time by a lot. So we're going to call him David. Um, but my mom was like, like borderline obsessed with David. Like he was so good looking and I was so lucky to have found someone so tall and so muscular and on and on and on. It was kind of weird things for a mom to be saying about her son a lot, but... Anyway, so she would always have little comments to make when she would come over. Oh, the dishes aren't done yet. Oh, you haven't started dinner. Oh, the house seems to be a little messy. You know, he works really hard for you. Um, and just constantly that like I could be doing more because at the end of the day, her reasoning was basically he could do better, right? Um, he was like this perfect person and he could totally do better than me. Um, in fact, it actually came to a point where she began to say things like that to me. I remember talking to her while she was standing in the kitchen and telling her about a, just a disagreement that me and David had gotten into, not even a fight, just a disagreement and telling her how we had worked through it. And she, without even, without even looking up at me, goes, Jessica, you know, you really, you need to be careful because there are tons of women who would be willing to take your place in a heartbeat and David could find someone else pretty quick. So you better, you better be careful. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks mom. Um, the other time we were in a barbecue and she was making steaks and she goes, how does David like his steak? And I go, oh, he's not that picky. And she goes, <laughs> I mean, we know he picked you. That was kind of obvious. <laughs> oh, funny. Um, and she was always really resentful if anything good ever happened and I told her about it. I mean, something as little as like, oh, hey, we're going out on a date night because we found a babysitter. It was, wouldn't that be nice? 
sure, but it's nice to have a husband who actually loves you. And like, she would get mad at me because something good had happened because she didn't have it. It was weird, but it was like either Jessica, you're awful and you're not good enough for him or wow, I wish I could be you because my life is awful. Weird stuff like that. But I remember, um, so me and David got a divorce and I remember when I finally broke down and told her that, you know, I was going to be asking for a divorce and confided in her a lot of the things that had been happening. And she just looks at me and she goes, I'm just going to miss him so much. I just, it's going to be so hard to not have him in our family anymore. And as far as I know, she still has pictures of him up in her house, which is just awesome. Now, I wanted you to listen to that excerpt because this is something that is very valid that some young women don't realize. I told you about the situation I dealt with in Newport Beach with the lady that had the daughter. And this was problematic and mom was trying to make up to the daughter because she didn't want to sever the relationship even though she was envious of the daughter because the daughter was treated better than she. In this case, more than likely, the mom probably jealous because the daughter had fulfillment in the relationship. She had a handsome man. He was younger. And the daughter was experiencing something she probably didn't experience in her marriage. Now dads are prone to spoil their daughters and sometimes they overdo it. As in the case with the lady I was with. And she explained to me some of the things she thought her daughter didn't deserve daughter was always in control of the relationship because dad wanted to make sure of that. My girlfriend, his ex-wife, was envious of the daughter. Daughter got this huge ring on her finger. The wife got a small carrot ring on hers. Daughter gets a brand new car. Her mom never got a brand new car. Always got dad's hand-me-downs. A mini argument was started over her, and eventually she was the reason why they divorced. But she didn't want to lose that relationship with her daughter, so she laid down like a doormat and let her daughter run over. This young lady right here is starting to realize something that men have picked up on for a long time with some women that envy of their child. She's getting something better than I have. She's had it too easy. Now, what this young lady doesn't realize is that mama is going to position herself in a way where she's going to keep in touch with that young man, even if they're divorced. Mama wants some of him. And if it so happened that she winds up sleeping with him, she's okay with it and would not have a problem with it. And the reason being 
In many ways, she feels as though she deserves a guy like him. Her daughter doesn't. Daughter doesn't know how to appreciate it. Now, you notice she talked about the criticisms mom gave her about, you know, the cooking, the cleaning, and all that good stuff. I want you to think about this for a moment. Doesn't it remind you of a woman that's trying to take your man? Girl, you need to know, you need to start doing this or else some woman's going to take it. It's on that level. And when she said about the divorce, what did her mom say? That she would miss him? That's the pre-qualifier to say that, you know, I might even call him just to check on him. Ladies, this is why I tell you, whether it's a family member or a friend, if they're more into the guy than you are, you might want to take a look at that for this kind of reason. So the daughter couldn't do anything right. But see, all of this was envy towards the daughter. Because if mom had her way with it, the daughter would have got the hand-me-downs and she would have got the brand new stuff. And that's the problem for some people. And yes, there are women out there that are envious of their kids in that way. You know, in most generations, you want your kids to be better off than you were. A lot of times, there's some parents that want you to be better off under conditions. The lady I was dating in Newport Beach, the car that her dad bought the daughter, 280ZX. Mama was driving an old beat-up Ford Taurus. But he would always tell the wife, we don't have enough money for that. Whenever the wife asks for something. So, what you're dealing with here, folks, it's straight up envy, jealousy in so many ways. And here's the sad thing about it. This woman would be the kind of person where if it goes unchecked, she wind up losing her marriage for having an affair with this man, her daughter's ex-husband. And in some ways, it's to prove a point. What is that point? I got him. I could keep him. You didn't know how. Like a pissing contest. It's pathetic. But there are some women that are like that. There are women that compete with their young daughters for men. I tell you about the email that the woman had uh, written in. This was about three years ago, where she was in her mid to late 30s. And her daughter was in her 20s, and mom had a boyfriend that was one year older than the daughter's boyfriend. 
Mom's boyfriend made a move on her daughter because they were all living together. Mom kicked her boyfriend out, wound up sleeping with the daughter's boyfriend and got pregnant by him. Daughter was raising a stink about it. She kicked the daughter out of the place. Family tried talking to her and everything. Mama was like, the hell with that. Mama need to get hers. Looking at her daughter's competition. This is a problem. And ladies, we see this. There were older women that used to bait their daughters. Baiting their daughters means that they would have the daughter go out on the dance floor. They'll go to a nightclub with the daughter. Mom be sitting over there at the table or in the booth. The girl might dance with the guy one time, ask him to dance, and then she brings him over to mama. Mama's the one that's trying to lay him. Now, one case, a woman told me straight up, before you go to get my daughter, you got to go through me. And I'm thinking, go through you how? Mama wanted to fuck before I could get to have sex with her daughter. They had to set up like that. You'll run across mom and daughter teams every once in a while. The reason why I have so many experiences is because I've been out there on the dating scene for 30 plus years and I dealt with a lot of shit out there. A lot of shit you can't imagine. Because we think of dating as being this pristine thing like you see on TV where the people are talking about the person they're looking for and they're hoping to find that ideal partner. Wait until you get to know the person. That's when you find out all of the stuff and that retail dating shit goes out the window. Whole different story then. Oh, they look good when you meet them. I met this lady at a mixer one time. Beautiful woman. Went to her apartment. She invited me over. We were going out that night and she was running late. Oh, just come on in. I didn't sit down in her damn apartment. This woman had period drawers on the floor. Trash can was over full. I went, took the trash and went downstairs and dumped it in the dumpster. Toilet clogged up. And I said to myself, my dick ain't going in this woman. I'll go be cordial tonight and bring her ass back home. On the surface, upon meeting her, pristine. See, that's where the work starts. That's where, you know, you got that bliss when you first meet the person. Everybody's on their best behavior. Dressed to the nines and everything else. And ladies, I will tell you once again. If a guy meets you at a gas station or supermarket and you're not looking your best, be thankful. Because that means that more than likely he likes you the way you are. So if you dress up and and go out with him, he has something to look forward to because he knows that, you know, you're going to do yourself up. But that is a 
definitely a green flag if he likes you as you are and you may consider yourself not really presentable. Don't kick yourself like that. A lot of you lose out on me in that way. Take that compliment. If you're not too sure about giving him your phone number because you've got a whole bunch of creeps contacting you, maybe give him your Twitter handle, Facebook account. Think about it before you do it, though. The only reason why I say Facebook over Twitter, really, would be because if you have family members and friends, you got people that, you know, somebody's going to do their due diligence. If you don't want to give your number out like that. Because I know some of you ladies get tired of doing that. Used to crack me up guys. Would get... <laughs> i never forget this one night we were out. There was this one dude that used to always brag about how many women he had and how he could do this and do that. And he was the king of women and he was a strong alpha male and people should be looking at him. He's going to write a book. He was talking all this shit. Dude talked about he had 10 numbers that night. Okay, that's cool. Man, you were sitting there talking to the same lady the whole night. I said, yeah. I said, she was interesting. Did you get a number? I said, yeah. She got mine. She asked me for mine first. Oh, really? I said, yeah. I bet you call that number. It ain't going to be nothing. I said, no, I'm going to call her. So he goes and pulls out his cell phone. Trying to show off. I'm going to show you how I got it like that. First number he called. Lady he had met in the club. It was the information number for the police department. <laughs> he was so mad. He knew Second number he called. Some dude picked up. Man, you got the wrong. <laughs> they saw him coming. The women saw him coming. Fellas, women are very observant. They see that you got numbers from a whole bunch of other women. They're not giving you their number. They're going to give you some bullshit number to get rid of you. Because you've already played yourself. Women are very observant. If a woman is into you and you don't know it yet, and like I said, women will know whether they like a guy within about 30 seconds of seeing him. And you do something stupid in the process, like you try to go for a woman and you didn't get her, so you're going to go for another one. She's looking at that. She's looking at strike one, strike two. And so for her, the way she looks at it, I'm not going to compete with all these people he's trying to get. In other words, she's saying... Now, if you'd have gone here and tried for one, got this, and sat your ass down, then maybe I'd have a chance to come over and talk to you. But, of course, a guy doesn't know that. But I learned this from a woman years ago, and she told me that. She said, if you get dissed by a woman, trust me, there's one woman that's probably looking at you that's checking you out, and guess what she's going to do? Try to make you feel better. I thought she was lying. It worked. A couple of years later, it did work. I got dissed by a woman and I went and sat my ass down to the bar and stuff. 
And the lady came in, she said, yeah, I saw that. She said, she was wrong. She asked me my name. And she asked me, what was I drinking? And I told her, she said, let's go dance. We went on and dance. And she made it a point to do the cha-cha and all that shit in front of the woman that showed up. But what I realized was that what my friend said was valid. I didn't think it was. I thought, hey, who's looking at me? But there's some women who will scope you out, fellas, and you got to watch that. Because that makes you far more marketable in that environment. The guy that's talking a lot of shit, going around beating his chest, some of your alpha male got a whole bunch of beta males standing around holding their beers and drinks, laughing at his old fucked up jokes. You don't want to be that dude. You don't want to be those dudes, man. You don't want to be that guy hanging around like that. Because women see you as a follower and a loser. They look at you as being an adolescent teenager that's being influenced by somebody. They don't see you as a decision maker. They don't see you as someone that can actually make things happen for you. So you don't want to fall into that category. Because I can tell you, women are really brutal on men when it comes to that. Trust and believe. But the thing you got to remember, you have to be yourself. And when you're talking to a lady, guys, and she's telling you about her histrionics or whatever's going on in her past or what she's dealing with now as far as the trauma. Empathize with her a little bit. Listen to her. You don't want to be patronizing. You don't want to be condescending. But you want to listen. And you want to make a fair assessment as to whether or not you could go with her on that journey or whether you can't. It all depends on the measure of damage. And ladies, this is one thing I want to tell you. When a man assesses how much work it's going to take to be with you, that's where he makes his decision. Again, he wants the physical characteristics of you. Now, that's the one thing that you have at your advantage. Most men, if they're really interested in you, that physical criteria is going to be met first. The reason being is this, and a lady wrote on, on TikTok, she says, uh, which one is more important to a man, a face or a woman's body? And I told her the body. And she was like, oh, you're a stereotypical man. I said, no, think about it for a moment. If you have the face but not the body, guess what more than likely you're going to do? You're going to get cut up. You're going to go and get all kind of butt lifts and everything else. If you got the body but may not be so attractive, maybe marginally or moderately attractive, he could deal with that because he has someone to still lust after because even though he could be with that woman with a pretty face, that woman with that body, oh, he's going to look at, he, she's going to get looks no matter what. The woman with the pretty face and no body, she just gets the glance. All depends on the guy, though. Some guy may want to have a fine looking girl, pretty looking girl in the front seat of his car. Nice little trophy. And a lot of them, they want the shape. But here's the thing. So he goes for the physical aspect of the woman. And most guys want both of them. They want the beauty and they want the shape. But usually it's going to be one or the other. And then 
You want to look for the integrity and the trust in that woman that you think you could bestow on her, provided that she's worth it. And so you're not going to find a totally drama-free person or a totally trauma-free person. But what you want to do is to find the least impactful on your relationship. And people that have done work on themselves in some kind of capacity. Don't go in there where you're starting up from the ground up. Mm-mm. Let them have some time to get themselves together. Give them some time to go in, recalibrate. If she starts telling you, well, I just got out of a relationship yesterday. My boyfriend cheated on me. I just want to go out and just be numb tonight and not do nothing. Nine times out of ten, what that means is that she wants to go with you so that she can do what is called revenge cheating. In other words, there's a good possibility she's going to wind up sleeping with you that night. Make sure it's consensual. And the only reason why she's doing it, please remember, is just to get even with him. It has nothing to do with love for you. She's still hurt. She's more than likely going to go back to him because she's going to want to make him feel that anger, feel that hurt. have time to be messing around with that if you value your time. Just tell me. Just things that you need to really kind of consider along the way. It's up to you to live your life. I'm not going to live it for you. But the only thing I can do is share some things with you that will probably help you. Now, the other thing too that you have to also privy to. As you know, a person's not going to tell you the full monty of what's going on with them until they get to know you a lot better. I want you to always look at this too, to help yourself. If it's a situation where every time you see this person, there's another page they're turning in the trauma of their lives... they want you to do is to read the whole book. It should only be a short story. It should only be one page long. It should not be pages. If it is, you may not be able to handle it. And you got to ask yourselves because, see, here's the thing. It's not that you're better than anybody or they're less than anyone. It's that they might have gone through more, which means that it's going to take a lot more time for recovery for them. And when I say recovery, I'm not talking about full recovery because most people don't ever fully recover from trauma. But what I'm talking about where they can manage it. And this is the problem for some folks. They get to a point where they may not be able to manage it so well. But it's up to you to determine what you're willing to deal with. And here's the thing. Once you've done that, that's part of that commitment They have to be responsible for taking the lead on whatever they're dealing with. You're there as a support mechanism. But your commitment is to that person. Their responsibility is to that particular situation they're dealing with. Along with the responsibility of being a partner in the relationship. But that's going to be the nexus for you guys to be together, is the relationship. 
So this person's going to have to work on some of the things that are going to be the gap between the two of you. And you're going to have problems of yourself, of, of your own probably, that you're going to have to contend with. As I told you, I'm not perfect. I went through a situation where I had attachment issues. And I had to quit treating women like if she got out of the car and a bus hit her, I wouldn't give a shit. I wouldn't call 911. Probably get out of the car and say, damn, you got fucked up. But I knew that that wasn't the way to go through life. And I didn't experience any trauma or anything like that. That's just the way I was. And then I had to realize that people have feelings too. And they're valid. And so you have to heighten your level of emotional intelligence and the way you do that by listening, interacting with them. And if they're in the process of working on a situation, okay, that's great. Because they've acknowledged it and they're addressing it. I don't see any problem with that. I don't see why that person would not be a bad person today. It's the ones that deny it. It's the one that blames everybody else. It's the one that doesn't want to deal with it. It's the one that's going to always be that victim no matter what because that is their job to be a victim. That's going to be a problematic individual for you. And you will notice this in relationships sometimes when they're not responsible for things. If they're not responsible for taking care of what's actually bugging them or what's going on with them, they're not going to be a responsible partner in the relationship. They may deflect and go through the motions But that's working on the problem. You know, when I was in the military, a lot of guys started drinking. And I started drinking beer. I couldn't drink none of the whiskey. No, I, I, that shit, ugh. I didn't like the smell. Didn't like the taste. And didn't like the headache afterwards. And I'd watch these guys drink all these beers. And then before you know it, they re-enlisted. And I said, damn. I started thinking, I said, you know, if I stayed in the Marine Corps, would I become an alcoholic? Probably not. Because even with beer, I got... 12 packs sitting in there now. I think I had one within the last three months of it. It's been sitting there. But I never thought of putting my problems into something like that. I'd rather deal with them. Work them out. Talk them out. Get them out of there. Because in that way, I want to be the best person I could be for me. Not to mention... A potential partner. The last thing I want to do is be on my deathbed, like the old folks used to say, and say, damn, 
makes it even better. Well, folks, I gotta go. I thank you for listening. And be back at you tomorrow.